If you're single or you're 16 or you're 60, hey, this is for you because you are a son. You are a daughter. You're somebody's brother. You're somebody's sister. Uh, you may be a grandparent or a grandchild. You may be a, a cousin. I mean, you are part of a family. So I'm just saying this is going to be for everybody here. And the reason why I want to talk about this is because this is the area in life where we hurt the most. If some of you uh, stayed up recently at all, couldn't sleep, worried through the whole night, 90% of you would say, well, it had to do with some relationship, and most likely it was in your family. And even if it wasn't, what went on in your family as a kid is shaping the relationships that you have today. So I want to talk about what God's dream for the modern family is, and it's going to be great because if we could get this area of our life right, I mean, can you imagine what would take place if, if you could actually say, I have the best relationship with my father. I have the most incredible relationship with my mom. I have the best relationship with, with, with my brothers and sisters. The family connectedness that I have with my siblings is so amazing. I have the best kids in the world. I mean, they clean everybody's room. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're that good. I mean, we have such a great family. And, and not only that, the peace that we have in our extended family and the connectedness, it's the envy of all of my friends and it's affecting all of my relationships. Can you imagine saying that? Well, unfortunately, that's not the case for hardly anybody anymore, and that's not reality because American family is in trouble. We're in trouble, and I, I was going to start this whole series with all of these statistics of the family and where things really are and kind of lay out for you the, you know, the dysfunction and the problem that I thought, well, I don't have to do that. Like, I don't have to tell you that. You know. You already know it. Like, you live it out in your families. You, you watch the news. Uh, you know what your friends say at school, so I don't have to even go there. I can just just say, family's in desperate shape, and we need help, and so that's what I want to do. Over the next uh, several weeks, between now and Father's Day, I want to devote everything I have to help you figure out what is God's dream and what is the, what is the most successful way for your family to flourish. God has, has, a, has, has some such clear direction about how you can make your family successful, and I have done more research on this series than any series I've ever done in the history of our church. I have read, I've read 15 books. I have watched over 30 sermons uh, by eight different pastors. I've read every scripture in the scriptures that has to do with the family. I have been studying for this, and I can't wait to share with you and, and distill it down and to synthesize it and to bring it and reduce it and bring it into focus. So you don't have to do all of that, but, but you can understand clearly like, this is the value that God wants most for me. And that's what I want to talk about today is what is, what's the number one dream that God has for your modern family? I want to take you back to where the family begins in the Bible in Genesis chapter 2. So you can turn it on, on your device, or get out your Bible, get that note sheet out, something to write with, and let's start to read. It'll be on the screen too. All right? Verse 21. Then the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and the Lord cut into him. No, it doesn't say that, but I want you to get the picture. Okay, no, look. And the Lord took one, cut into him, took one of his ribs out. Look, that's how we know. He closed the place up with flesh in its place. There was a, God, there was a cutting that went on. There was some blood involved here. We'll come back to that in a minute. 
Then the rib which the Lord had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, look, look, this is now bone of my bone. This is flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called, whoa, man, woo. That's the original Hebrew, by the way. Just in case you didn't know, he was like, wow. She was taken out of the man. Therefore, verse 24, the man shall leave his father and mother the most important relationship you'll ever have in your whole life is with your dad, with your mom. It's the, most, it's the most important relationship in your life. And as important as that is, the Lord says a man shall leave his father and his mother and become joined. Old King James said cleave uh, to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. They'll become one, no longer two, but one. Now those verses we just read sit in front of a statement made by God in context to put that in. He said this. He says, it is not good that man should be alone. And we all know that. I mean, everybody knows how terrible the feeling of loneliness is. And nobody wants to be lonely. We scroll Facebook and Twitter. The research says that we get more lonely looking at it and other people interacting on it. We, we hate loneliness. We're searching for connection. Everybody knows it's bad to be rejected, to be alone. There's not a culture in the history of the world, of any language, that says, well, it's a good thing to be an orphan. <laughs> Nobody says that. In fact, all of us, when we see an orphan, it stirs something in us, like, deep. This was not the way it was supposed to be. Nobody should be without a mom or a dad or without a family. In fact, the worst punishment that you can ever put on a person is to put them in solitary confinement. That'll drive a person crazy because it's the worst thing to be totally cut off from everybody else. God says it's not a nice thing. It's something that you should consider having a good family. It's non-optional. It's not good for you to be alone. God wants you to be in a family. Why? Well, because there's some things that happen in a family that can't happen anywhere else. I mean, they, there's attempts made, but... But when God made the family, he said, there are some things that only the family can really do. The family, let me give you a little list of what they are. This is how important a healthy family is. I don't know if you ever knew this. It's not just two people in love. It's like God has a purpose for a family. Number one, a family is the primary place where we learn to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Not the church. The family's supposed to be that. The Bible says that God created you know, the man and the woman in his image. So both of them, male and female, he created them. They hold the image of God. So when a child looks at their mom and dad, that's the first view of God that they ever have. I mean, for good or for bad. So if you struggle loving God today, or you, you find it easy to love God today, that was set when you were a child. What you saw, what was in front of you, God says, one person, you can have companionship together, but you can't properly be, have the image of God portrayed before a child without a mom and a dad. It's the primary place we learn how to love God. The second place in the family, he says, this is the primary place where information is transmitted through the generations. Uh, generational intelligence, like relational wisdom and intelligence passed down. When God sees a family, not just two people, you know, mom and dad, he sees the grandmas and the grandpas and mom and dad and the children and the great-grandchildren and the brothers and sisters and the whole, the tribe, the clan. Like, like we, there's a we here that's, that's us against the world. 
And it's so powerful to, to think about a healthy family, even over two or three generations, the relational intelligence that could be passed down when the third or fourth generation have the, the history of a healthy family. See, that's where the third thing comes. That's where identity and security comes from because you know who you are. Like, I'm part of this, this tribe, this family. I'm part of this group, and I know who I am. And there's this incredible surrounding of love from all these people, grandpas and uncles and aunts, all connected together. So it gives a child the ability to differentiate from culture and say, well, I know who I am. I don't have to go with the crowd because I know who we are. I'm a leader, not a follower. Amen. Security. I got a safe place I can run. I've got people that care for me. I'm never really alone. And the family is the only place that can really do that. And without it, see, we're kind of lost without that. Even as I say that, there's a longing in our hearts. Boy, I wish I had that. The, 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 third, the fourth thing, the family's the only place where you can really teach submission to authority. Like, there's a power outside of me that's bigger than me that has the right to tell me what to do. See, that has to go into the DNA of the, of the mind before five years of age. And if it doesn't, if it's not there, if it doesn't come into the family, I mean, society tries to teach that, but it's really hard. It doesn't work very well. Prison and jail do not teach submission to authority. It just makes the heart more rebellious, more resistant. So, so there is a function for, in the family, um, a child will learn how to respect, and if, if you respect authority, things go great for you. Like, respect leads to success. Fifth thing, that can only be done in a family. I mean, you can try, but God says in the family, that's, that's where you're gonna learn how to relate to everybody else. The way you grew up with mom and dad is shaping the way you relate to people today. The way you related with your brothers and sisters is affecting how you relate to the opposite sex today. It just, it just is. It's what is. And so the power of the family to shape a life for good and for success or to put on a path of destruction, that's how important the family is. It's not an option. It's not like, well, it would be nice. I mean, God's dream is for something incredible to happen in the family. But you see, the whole value of what God had intended, what, what makes that work, there's one value really at the heart of all of that that's in the scripture, but the cultural value of this world is the total opposite of it. When I tell you what this is, you're gonna go, well, of course. You, you're gonna, you might not have seen it before, but it's gonna be so obvious to you that God has a particular value, a dream for the family, and something, see, it's something that's at the heart of it. And then if you follow that value, you'll get incredible successful results. If, if you follow the, the value of the world, you get a totally different result. So I want to talk about that today, and it's going to be so clear. But to do that, before I tell you, let me tell you a story first. It's about Betty and Floyd. And Betty and Floyd got married long ago, long before there were cars and you know, telephones and all of that. It was a different age, but they got married. They threw the rice. They walked out of the church, and they went on their honeymoon. And to get on the honeymoon, they had to get in the horse and the buggy. And Betty wanted to drive. And Floyd said, all right. So she got in the driver's seat, and she started to drive the horse and the buggy. And they got about 10 minutes out from the church, and the horse just stopped. Horse would not move. 
and Betty tried to get it, you know, whipping the reins and shouting at it, trying to get it to move. The horse would not move. Betty gets down out of the buggy, walks around to the front of that horse, looked it dead in the eye and says, well, that's one. She walked back, got in, the horse started to move. Went another like maybe mile or so and the horse just stopped again, stiffened its neck, would not go. And she's telling it, go, mush, whatever she was saying, cracking the whip, the horse would not move. So she got down off that buggy again. She walked right over to that horse, looked it straight in the eye and said, that's two. The horse got the message, got back inside and they went on for probably a little 10 more minutes. And then the horse just stopped. And this time it was going nowhere. It was stiffened its neck. She's telling it to go. Betty gets down off that horse, gets into her purse, pulls out a revolver and shoots that horse dead. <laughs> now, Floyd's a mild-mannered man. He hasn't said much to this point, but then he just, what are you doing? Are you crazy? You just shot our horse. How are we going to carry all of our stuff? How are we going to go on the honeymoon? We got to come back here. What are we going to do? Are you insane? And she said, Floyd, that's one. <laughs> And they lived happily ever after because he just knew how to work it. It was okay. So, so there is a truth in that story that's closer to home than you'd like to admit. And that's the value that's in our society today, which is, all right, like there is a line in the sand. And you go so far, and that's one. You cross that line a second time, that's two. You cross it a third time, all bets are off. People living with the mentality, there's a line in the sand, I'm in it till this point, but you cross that line, we go past this point, it's over, done. Now, could I just show you where that mentality ultimately leads from the Bible? If you were to, to, to live your life by that value, I want to show you a picture of where that actually goes. Let me play that out for you. At the last book of the Old Testament in Malachi chapter uh, 2 and verse 13. Let me show you a person now who's calling out to God like, God, it's not working. Like, my life is a disaster. Okay, here it is. You flood the Lord's altar with tears. God, where you go? I'm dying here. Help me. You weep and you wail. God, you're not talking to me. I'm going to church. I mean, I'm, I'm giving my tithes. I'm bringing my offerings. I'm, I'm trying to be a good person, doing good stuff. Where'd you go, God? You're not like, it's like you're not blessing what I'm giving anymore. You're not, you're, you're taking no pleasure from the gifts of my hand. Why? Where, where'd you go? Why are you not listening to me? It is because, the Lord says, your relationships are messed up. I've been watching. The Lord, the Lord is the witness I've seen you praying, seen what's going on in your life, but I've been watching the way that you are you're behaving, how you're treating the wife of your youth. What's going on between you guys? And you've been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner. The wife of your, can you say this word with me? Marriage, come on, let's try that again. Marriage covenant, covenant. You forgot the covenant. And maybe you never had that. I don't even know what that is. I forgot it. I don't know what that means. We're going to talk about that today. You forgot your marriage covenant. Has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. It's not just about you. And you've fallen in love. And you and your wife, God has a purpose for this. And they're godly offspring. And what you're doing is affecting the kids. And God's saying, I'm seeing all this, so be on your guard. Do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth, 
And then it says this. The man who hates and divorces his wife says the Lord God of Israel does violence to the one he was supposed to protect. That ripping, that just the, the tearing. Says the Lord God Almighty, be on your guard and do not be unfaithful. Powerful, powerful words. Here's what God is saying. You were living by the principle of the line in the sand. That this far and then all bets are off. Like we can work on it, but you cross that line, it's over. And here's what God is saying. When our relationships are in crisis, that's not the time for us to bail out. That's not the time for us to quit. Instead of, you were supposed to protect that one. Instead of doing violence to, to her, you, you, what, what should have brought you closer, the trial actually has pulled you apart. And there's been a ripping and a tearing and a hemorrhaging. It was supposed to bring you together. I, I told you I read it so much and listened to so much. Pastor Chris Hodges did an amazing sermon on these particular verses. And in that message, he told a story about a couple in his family who came to him for counsel. And she'd messed up. The wife had blown it. And she listened, he listened to the story. She admitted it. And the husband laid out his case. And the pastor's going, well, yeah, I mean, you have grounds. See, that's what we say in the church. You got grounds or not, right? You got, he's got grounds. He's, she can go. And so they kind of came to the end of that discussion, and on the way out the door, the guy does a little, by the way, oh, by the way, pastor, hey, could you help me with something else? My brother, and goes into this story about his drug addiction and how messed up he is, and he's stealing from the family, and he's bailed him out of jail like five times, and he keeps falling off the wagon, and he lies, and it's just a problem. He's saying, does the church have anything for my brother? And I'm willing to do anything. I'm willing to pay whatever it costs. I'm willing to do it. If there's counseling, I mean, whatever we have to do, I'm ready to, to do it, Pastor, because my brother, you know? And the, and the pastor has this revelation. Whoa, 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 wait a second. Your brother did like 10 times worse to you than what your wife did. What you, you know, why are you so committed to him? Why do you want to just jettison her so quickly? But you're going to be so committed to your brother. And the guy looked at the pastor like he's from another planet. Like, are you crazy? It's my brother. It's like family. We're blood. What's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, because we're blood. And the pastor had a revelation that day. And you know, it's so powerful what he said. He said, why wouldn't you treat your wife like she is a blood relative? Why wouldn't you see her as somebody who's blood to you? I mean, we put up with all kinds of stuff with people in our family, right? Well, why wouldn't you put up? See, that's what the word covenant means. The word covenant means to cut. I don't know if you ever knew that, but to cut to the point of bleeding. And so way back in the day in the old Jewish ceremonies, you know, they didn't give a ring. They, they brought out a knife. <laughs> Aren't you glad that that's not today? And they would take the groom's hand and they would, you know, cut the, cut the hand. And then they'd take the, the wife's hand and they'd stick it out and they'd cut a little smaller one. But they'd cut one there. And then they'd put it together. Right? And they'd rub the blood and move the hand. Then they'd take a cord and they would tie it around the hands. And then they would say this. Remember, uh, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And uh, no longer two, but one. You're blood now. You, you've become, you were separate, but now you're, you're blood relative. Blood's been shed. No longer two, but one. See, you've got to understand that when Jesus says this, when he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's what he said. No matter what. I mean, tonight, some of you are going to run out on me. You're going to stop believing. 
Some of you are going to deny me. One's going to betray me. Most, one's going to curse me out. I mean, you guys are going to run. Not one left. But I will never, ever leave you or forsake you. And, and remember what I say because, like, every time you pick up a cup, remember what he said then? He picked up the cup and he held it and he said, this is the new covenant in my, they're going to cut me. I'm going to bleed, and it's going to be poured out for you. Do this, do this in remembrance of me. And then he stood up and he prayed. He says, Father, as you and I are one, I pray that we would be one. Amen. Whoa. That's the level of commitment. That's the backdrop of something in the Bible called covenant relationship. Covenant relationship. And we don't even know what that looks like. Aren't you grateful for a God who says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I mean, no matter what you do, I will never be there. What, the, the idea here is that, you know, I've done something for you. A non-blood relationship has become a blood relationship. And that's the level of commitment God was saying, I want to see happen. That's, that's, that's at the heart of the family. I'm telling you, God's dream for the modern family is not what you thought it was. God's dream for the modern family is covenant relationship. Let me say it another way. Let me say it another way. You'll clap more at this. God says, God says covenant relationship is we, what we started together, we're going to finish together. That's covenant relationship. Because I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I'm here. You know, um, and most of us struggle with that. You know why? How do you get a child to believe in a God who says, I'll never leave you or forsake you, but I never saw that my whole life. All I ever saw was, well, that's once, that's twice, and people walked out the door. And it's so hard even for you today to really trust God. You trust him to a point, and then you get scared or anxious, and something kicks in, whoa, that's one, and, and, and something kicks in. Why? Because in the family, damage was done along the way. And see, most of us have never seen this. This idea that what we started, I mean, be secure because we started this, we're going to finish no matter what. All right, so let's just take a time out. When I was getting ready to do this message, I was thinking about right now, and I was thinking, this is going to be so hard, and there's going to be people sitting in the room that are going to go, oh, this is the worst day I ever came to church. <laughs> and there are going to be some of you that are just going to be like, oh, this is so, like, like, you're talking about a standard that I've never kept, never seen, never could do. And, you know, there's the walls gone up. You got your guard up, you know, and you're like, hey, hey, listen, can I just say something to you? I just love you. I, I, I care about you. And you know what? This is the guilt-free zone. <laughs> and the good thing about Heartland Church is, is we understand the grace of God here. And we know this is a place of grace. That God says, it's not what you did in your past. It's, it's where you're going. Forgetting the things that are behind, pressing forward to what lies ahead. I'm talking today about your future. I'm not here to judge you or to make you feel bad or to bring up issues from your past. Talk about skeletons in your closet. We all have sinned. We've all fallen short of the standard of perfection. I got issues. You've got issues. We all have issues. And if you don't think you have an issue, that's your issue. <laughs> we all got issues. I'm not here to make you feel bad. It's not going to go down that way. This whole series is going to be done 
with so much love and grace. But because I love you and because I want to be a good pastor to you, I want you to give me permission to say, okay, we are what we are, but let me hold up for you. Can I hold up the dream? Can I say this is what it could be and what it should be and what it ought to be? And by God's grace, you know, that's the gospel where he says, I take things that are broken and messed up and I'll save you out of that. And then over time, I'll restore you, right? And even in the end, I can redeem the mistakes and make something beautiful out of it. That's the gospel of Jesus. So you got to let me, though. You don't filter me here. Don't, don't, don't start going, well, I know where he's going and, you know, get all. Just, just listen. Open up your heart here and let me say to you, here, here's a dream that people haven't seen. Because you know what? People didn't ever see this. What they, what they didn't see, they didn't see covenant relationship. They saw convenient relationship all their life. Or they saw contract relationship. And it's totally different. Convenient relationship is the hookup. No commitment. Contract relationship, well, I'm in it as, as, as far as you're in it. You know, like I'm in it to a point, like to this line. But I got, let, let, me, let me just tell you that God's plan for you here is not to restrict you or to, to stop you. Or, how many of you believe that God's way is going to help you be successful? It's going to help you be successful. He wants to bless you. He wants to, to untangle knotted things. So let me dive into the difference between what what contract and what covenant looks like, and you're just going to go, oh, oh. Let, me, let me just show you. One's going to be successful, and one's not in terms of relationship, okay? Let me just give you the definition. A covenant relationship is a solemn commitment between two people for the purposes of creating and maintaining, notice, a successful relationship for life. That's the operative word. Like, like, we got into this because the two of us wanted to create something successful. There's a we that's greater than me from this point going forward. We, we didn't come into it for, for ourselves. We came in to create something. We came in for a purpose to build something. Now, that's a different view. That's the definition. That's the vision. And relationships that are built on covenant go places. Relationships that's built on contract don't work. So let me break this down, the difference between that, okay? And these, Chris Hodges, I give credit to him because these are so awesome, and I just want to pass them on to you. Uh, Covenant is based on mutual commitment. Contract is based on mutual distrust. And boy, we know all about that. This whole world is based on just distrust. I mean, like, I'm in it to a point, but I, I have a hunch that you might not keep your word, so we need to put it in writing. And I need to find a way to protect myself. I'm only in so far. Um, it's the prenup, right? I'm keeping score, and that's one. And have you ever, you ever been to a closing? You ever been to one of those things, closed on real estate or closed on a house? I mean, have you ever, it feels like you're signing papers for days. <laughs> and they have just in case form this, just in case form that, and then just in case for the just in case. I don't know if you know that, but they have those. And you're just signing these forms because, you know, I believe what you say, but you may, you know, mess, mess me over. So I'm going to be, I got something to protect myself because there's some mutual distrust that we're going in. And covenant just says, right, it, covenant just comes to the table with this. I'm not going anywhere. Covenant says, I'm here. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's so important. See, we need covenant commitment for when things go bad. 
We need that for when it goes bad. Because what good is a commitment if it's only there for when it's good? I mean, if you, you gave the commitment assuming there, there would be tough times for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, you know, sickness and health and all that, and you gave because you knew it was going to be tough. Why have the commitment if it's not going to work in the tough times? So that's why you gave it. So a covenant relationship says, <laughs> listen, says, I'm willing to be unhappy while we work this out. Did he just say that? Yes, he did. That was good. Listen, I'm willing, nobody says this. I'm willing to be unhappy until we work this out. I'm so committed to this. My wife and I, uh, we fight as much as all of you. I'm, I'm sure we do. I've got issues. She's got issues. We'll, we'll fight, but we just fight better than you. You know why? Because we don't have a back door. We, in the early days when we got married, there was no divorce, no back door. I mean, we plastered over the wall. It's not on the table. So it's just, it's just not even an option. So, so, you know, over these years, you just get to the point where it's just practical. You say, okay, uh, we're gonna, I, I want to get some sleep here. We might as well just work this out now because I'm not going anywhere, and we, and we just need to get this thing resolved. And, you know, there's some things about that that change your mind because you say, you know, I may be right, but you're more important to me than being right. Oh, that was so good. <laughs> you guys should be, listen, if you just came for that. I just saw my wife. Hey, baby. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not telling a lie, am I? This is the truth. You're more important than me being right. Or, or I, I, here's another one. Covenant says, I value you more than what we're arguing about. Well, that's good, too. I'm more committed. I mean, I, I'm, I'm in here for the long haul. I will never leave you or forsake you. That solves so many arguments right there. Well, you know, you're more important to me than my way. That's a covenant relationship. Let me give you another one, another little pairing. Um, covenant surrenders rights and assumes responsibility. It takes it on. Like, okay, and we're going to talk about more of this in the weeks ahead. I can't even do justice to this today. Contract protects right and avoids responsibility. So the, the best marriage is two servants that fall in love with each other. I'm here for you. I'm here to serve you. The worst marriage is when two masters get together and try to tell each other what to do. It's not going to work. It's serving. I'm here to serve you. I'm here for you. I, I, I assume responsibility to love you. and to, to Well, more on this later. Third pairing. Covenant has the interest of the other in mind. Let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus. Okay, each of you should look not only to your own interest, but to the interest of the other. I mean, that, that, that's what covenant is. Contract has personal protection and convenience in mind. How do I protect myself and how quick can I get out, get out if this thing goes south? The more relationships you've been in, the more you live by contract. So covenant says in Romans 12, 5, I belong to you, you belong to me, and we need each other. I don't think we've seen many covenant relationships. I don't think you've seen them. I think, I think you go to weddings like I do. I mean, I do the weddings. <laughs> I've done hundreds of them, and I'm standing there, and I'm saying, for better, for worse, and they're going, for better, for worse. I'm going, for richer, for poorer. They're going, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in hell, to love and to cherish till death is part of. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, you don't even mean that. You're just saying it. You just think it sounds pretty in the wedding. I would just like one time to just go, oh, 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 wait a second. Are you saying that you're not going to get out of this unless death is involved? And that would just wreck the whole wedding right there. <laughs> but, 
I wish I could say that, right? Because I just don't want to do it anymore if you're not going to mean it, right? That, that's, what you're, that's what you're saying. But people, I want us to do, if we would do what, what God's word says, it would just be, it would be successful. So aren't you, you know, listen to this. I got this quote. This is an old grandma lady who, this is what made her marriage successful. Listen to what she said. When we got married, I just made a list of all of his faults and decided I was going to forgive him for these before he ever did. And every time he did something wrong, I just thought in my mind, well, lucky for him, I predecided to forgive him. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that great? That's why it worked. That's covenant relationship right there. So, you know, it's about time. We just started doing the things we know to do. But the reason why we don't do them is because we've got the wrong value driving the thing. It's contract. And if we would have covenant relationship and we start doing the things the scriptures say that we know all along. Like how many weddings did you go to and they did the love chapter and you ask Uncle Bob to read the scripture, didn't know where to fit him in the wedding. So, you know, he's the guy that reads the scripture. You know, I know how it works. And so he's reading 1 Corinthians 13 and, you know, love is patient, love is kind. It is not envy. It does not boast. It is not self-seeking. It is not proud. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love never fails. And we're all, oh, that's so beautiful. Love keeps no record of wrongs. That's what it says. Isn't about time we just did that? I mean, wouldn't that be great? Like I just predecided to forgive. You want to be successful? You just carry. You just live light. Don't keep the records anymore, and just say this. You know, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And if that's true, I'm not going to carry all this stuff around. Now. I told you, this is, this is going to be a challenging series for you, but I'm going to do it with so much love and with so much grace. I want you to come back for every single week. And I don't, I don't want you to say, I, want, I don't want you to filter me, and I don't want you to say things like, well, I know where he's going, and uh, well, this doesn't apply to me. Don't presume that. I mean, <laughs> what happened in your family of origin is driving the, the bus of your life today. And I, you, you may be single, and I want to just tell you something, if if you know, if, if this series gives you some information where you could finally say, you know what, this is the way I've been living, and this is how I feel, but, and this is what drives me, but I've got some new information now that I could maybe choose some alternate behavior. An eight-year-old doesn't have to drive the bus anymore. That's what I'm hoping for you. I mean, some, some really good things could happen if you will just say, well, I'm going to be open and let God speak to me, whoever you are, whatever, wherever you are in the family. I don't want you, I, this is for you. Okay, it's not for you to go home and preach to your husband. <laughs> it's not for you to go home with a list and say, now, you know, the pastor said and start preaching at him. Now, you should have laughed at that, but maybe I hit too close to home. You're about to do that today. <laughs> Don't do that. That'll just make the person mad. Nobody wants to be preached at. Just say, this is for me. Okay, everybody say that. This is for me. It's just for me. It's not for them. I don't want anybody going elbowing anybody. Okay, just for you. And I know I'm going to make some of you are already a little bit afraid. And I just want to speak to some of you who are feeling afraid today. Like, Darren, I don't know what you're going to say, but I'm scared you're going to say something I won't like. I'm scared you're going to say something that's going to define my life or it's going to feel like you're judging me. And I don't, I, I'm, I'm scared right now. And uh, I don't want to be judged. And listen, I'm going to just, I get that. I totally get that. And uh, I'm sorry for what people have said that's been judgmental and the hurts you've experienced, but I just promise you, it is not going to go down that way here. And uh, I, I promise you. You see, here's the thing I know. I'm not going to force anybody to do anything. I can't do that. I, I'm just going to share. See, 
you get to do what you want to do, okay? You're free to do that. What I'm going to do, though, if you'll give me permission, is to hold up what, what, for the next eight weeks, what God's Word says about how to make your family successful and how ultimately every relationship in life will, will come to health and restoration and ultimately redemption. I believe this with all of my heart. I want you to track with me. If you miss this weekend, just get online. You need to invite some people. Don't, you know, move to the other service and then invite them, okay? Because it's not going to work if you guys do it here. But everybody in our town, in our city needs to hear this. Tweet it out or put it online. And I mean, think about next week when we talk about, okay, Darren, we've already screwed up. We've got a big old blended mess, an entangled mess. Well, we're going to talk about what do you do then? God's dream and how do you take an entangled mess and turn it into something that's blended and blessed? That's next week. It's right where we live. Mother's Day, which is two weeks out, I'm going to talk about how to be a great son, how to be a great daughter. And that's for everybody here. It's my, you know, that, that's what God's doing in my life right now. And it's changing my life to think this way, that my only real goal in life is to be a great son to my heavenly father, great son to my mom and dad. I, that's for every, that's, you bring all your kids that day. You're going to thank me for it. Just, you know, you're, you're going to be, you're so glad that you did. So this is all what's ahead. And I want you to track with me. And for those of you who have, you know, your single moms and single dads, and I just want you to know that God has done something wonderful. He's created the family of God, and he's created a spiritual family that's going to outlast your physical family. And he's brought you here into a family. Like, you can be alone, and the scripture says in Psalm 68, he says, I take the lonely and I place them in families, and I do something in them. I start to restore them. I, I free them from the prison of the past, and I give them joy. And people who resist that, they just keep living in the desert like all alone. But God wants to do something. He brings you into a family. I place the lonely in families. I place the one who's by themselves with their kids. Like, bring them in here, right? And then let us join your love with our love for them. And that together we can use our love in a multi-generational family like we are, multi-ethnic family, and come and say, we're going to love your kids so that they have a view of who God really is. It's going to change their life. If you're not in a small group, you need to be part of a spiritual family. That takes it out of the rows and puts you in a circle. And I would love for you, for every person to be in a small group with some other Christians every week for the next eight weeks. And you can do that. Just take that card in your program and say, help me, I need a small group. And we're going to help you connect with some people because in that moment, this becomes a relatable. This isn't going to be information, right? that's gonna change your life. I'm praying that God will do something supernatural in you. When you experience the covenant love of your heavenly father, and you really start to believe he'll never leave me or forsake me, that love is gonna change your life and you're gonna love people you never thought you could love before. That love is gonna free you from the inside and that's what I'm praying is gonna happen for you. Well, let me close with this. My grandfather grew up um, outside of knowing God. He had a really tough first few years of his life. He, actually, his dad died when he was five years old. And so he grew up, and there was a lot of chaos in the house. He got pretty wild. There were men in and out of the house. And he didn't grow up knowing the Lord. But one day, I don't even know how it all happened, but he gave his life to Jesus Christ. He invited God to save him, and God started a work of restoration in his teenage heart and I want to tell you, his decision to follow Christ changed, changed my, 
you know, his life, but his family's life and changed our family. We, we're like in the third generation. It's affected my kids. His one decision, and really his decision ultimately affects all of you because I'm here today. Amen. And it's because of what one person did. He lived, uh, he, he was married to my grandmother for 67 years till his death. And in the last few years of his life, he started writing me some letters, just lessons he wanted to pass on. And I want to share one of those little pieces with you today. I'm so grateful. Can you, can you imagine today, like, how grateful I am for this, that, that God put this in my family? Well, I want to cast a vision as you read this. You can be grateful for your family or think about how you could be the one who could change an entire family tree. You can affect future generations. You be that person. Look what he said. When we were married, we took the stand that marriage was, look at this, a lifelong covenant between us for as long as we would live. And that's still where we stand. Now we can look backward over all of these years and see it was God's hand that led us and his grace that has sustained us through all the trials we've gone through. And I'm so glad we have kept the faith and God has blessed us. There's not an I or a me in that entire, see, he got it. There's a we, there's an us, there's a covenant. That's a covenant relationship. It's so powerful. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Are you a little frustrated this morning? Is there something inside of you that just feels all stirred up? Listen, good. <laughs> that's a good place to be. You know, that's how God makes change in your life. He'll put something in you that disturbs you, and you finally at some point go, I can't live like this anymore. And that's why you may be frustrated today. He says, listen, I want you to be disturbed. It doesn't have to be this way. Move, move out from this contract-based relationship. Move towards covenant. And some of you need to get into a covenant relationship with Jesus today, which looks like this. I gave my life for you, so now you give your life to me. Come be part of my family. It's a blood relationship. I'll never leave you or forsake you. You know, some of you did that. I mean, you bought into the whole thing and you said, yes, God, I'll follow you. But here's what happens. Every time you get scared, every time you get afraid, you grab that wheel back and you don't trust God in your relationships. You want to move away from the pattern of this world and be conformed to God's covenant relationship. You can say today, God, I, I need you. And maybe you're sitting here a little frustrated because you said, Darren, the standard that you set is so high. And it's so, I can't do this. I, I, I've messed it up. It'll never be like what you're talking about. Listen to me. That's good. You can't do it. You can't make it happen. But you can say, God, will you do something in me that I can't do for myself? He, you, you come to him like that. He will begin a good work in you. He will complete it. He won't stop the restoration process. And he'll do something in you that's supernatural. He'll give you love that you didn't even know existed. And he'll help you love other people well. Do you receive this today? I hope that you do. Would you just bow your heads for a minute? Would you let me pray with you for just a moment? And teenager, you know, mom, dad, single person, whoever you are, God's talking to you today. He is talking to you. He's, he brought you here today. It's not by accident. And he's saying, come into my family. If you would say to him, um, dear, I'm frustrated. I'm not the person I want to be. See, that's the life of sin where we keep on doing things we don't want to do and saying things we don't want to say. 
And it's frustrating. God says, I want to deliver you. I want to save you from that. Let that person be crucified so Christ can live in you. Let that die today. No more contracts with God. Like, God, if you do this, then I'll do this. No, come to the covenant relationship and just admit, God, you gave your son, Jesus, for me. I give my life to you. If that's you, just say that right now. God, I give you my life. I pray you'll, you'll change me. Will you heal what's broken? God, I give you the right to change the way that I think. Boy, that's a huge prayer, but just tell him, God, I don't even know if I trust the way that I think. Help me to see like you see, and I'll say yes to you. I'll do whatever you say. I'll serve you. Father, I just want to commit to you today. I don't know how it's going to work, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We started together to finish together. Now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help every person who prayed that prayer to do just that. Thank you for the grace that's here today, for all the messes that have been made. But from this day forward, we want our relationships to be defined by you. I pray for supernatural change to take place in marriages and in kids' lives and brothers and sisters and moms and dads, and they'd start talking again. And I pray, God, that you would move in the hearts of sons and daughters, turn the father's hearts towards their kids, turn their kids' hearts. God, do this today, I pray. Start a change in us. Change our relationships and bring them to your values. We open our hearts to you today, and we hold nothing back. We say, do what needs to be done in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Oh, I love you guys so much.